0: Well, good morning. I wanna echo Marjorie's welcome at the beginning of the service. So glad you're here to join us, whether you're in person or at home. It is is good for us to gather on Easter morning and to celebrate the great hope of the resurrection. If you're new, a special welcome. There are some cards in the pews, our connect cards. We'd love for you to fill one of those out and put it in the offertory plate. Or if you're joining us online for the first time, uh, you can uh, click on a button and um, share some information about you. That would be would be grateful. But again, welcome on this Easter morning. Now, this morning, I want to begin by introducing you to a writer. His name is Robert Nozick. Uh, some of you may be familiar with him. Uh, he taught at Harvard, uh, was a, a philosophy um, a teacher, a writer, thinker, uh, died in 2002, uh, but over his life he wrote a number of books, and one of the books he wrote is called The Examined Life, uh, and it was, uh, had a pretty good um, response when he wrote this book. Uh, and it's a book that examines life. Uh, it, it's a number of essays uh, that talk about the meaning of life. Now, in this book, Uh, Nozick has a really fascinating chapter on the Holocaust, and he writes about what this event, what the Holocaust, says about us and what it says about the world. And, And early on in the essay, he makes the point that he could have written about any number of human cruelties. So he could have written about the slave trade or the genocide in Rwanda or the atrocities that occurred in China and Cambodia or Armenia in the 20th century. I mean, there's a long list to choose from. But he focuses on the Holocaust. And what he argues is that the Holocaust has resulted in the loss of status for the human race. Again, he could be talking about any human atrocity. But focusing on the Holocaust, he writes that it has resulted in the loss of status for the human race. This is what he he writes. He says, like a relative shaming a family, the Nazis are human relatives. They have shamed us all. They have ruined all. Of our reputations, not as individuals, but they have ruined the reputation of the human family. While we are not all responsible for their actions, we are all stained. We are stained as a species." And and he writes that that we as a species have been desanctified. A powerful way to put it, Uh, because of uh, our atrocities, we have been desanctified. He goes on and he writes, This grand experiment, this great human project, it has gone south, it has spoiled. Because at the very center of it, there is a great wickedness and a great potential for evil. And then he ends by writing, If some creature from a distant galaxy were to see our story, they might not think that we deserved to be annihilated. But if we, through nuclear war or by some other means, were to exterminate ourselves, it would be no great tragedy. Rather, he says, It would be a satisfying close to the human story, like a musical chord resolving. So he says, because of uh, the atrocities that humanity has committed, uh, maybe we don't deserve to be annihilated, but if we were to exterminate ourselves, it would be no great tragedy. It would be a satisfying close to the human story, like a musical chord Resolving. Now, that is a very depressing quote and uh, a pretty depressing way to start an Easter sermon. So, uh, why do I read this to you? Well, I, I share this because the truth is that this is not an uncommon view to hold. There, there are a lot of people who view the world this way, there are a lot of people uh, in Nashla, Nashville. Uh, and, and granted, they, they probably can't articulate it, uh, their view as clearly and as forcibly as Nozick does, but this is how they view the world. And, it, and it's somewhat understandable. This is a belief that sees the suffering of the world, the, the immense suffering the suffering that we often create, whether we inflict it on ourselves or on others. This is a belief that sees the presence of death, that nothing seems to last. It's a belief that sees all of this and in a sense gives up on the world, gives up on any sense of meaning or hope for the world at large. Maybe they can create individual meaning In their life, but the idea that there is a grand narrative, that there is any overarching meaning and hope for creation itself, they reject this. Now this morning on Easter what we celebrate and what I am here to say is that God gives a different verdict. God does not say, damn the whole bunch. He doesn't give up on His creation, the creation that He loves. No, rather, God says, I will do a new thing. I will redeem my world. I will restore it. I will resurrect it. When my children were younger, so this is when they were in preschool, uh, in kindergarten, uh, they often seemed like every day, were bringing home little projects they had made. Uh, so maybe a drawing or a craft, a, a house uh, made out of popsicle sticks. And of course, when they they brought them home, they were they were so proud of their little creations, and they would show us, and we would say, "Oh, that that's beautiful." and we would uh, display it for a little while, but then after a while, we would put it in our arts and crafts section where we kept all their, their projects. Well, we have, we have three children, and over time, you know, that pile starts to build up. But I, I learned the hard way that if they ever discover one of their little projects, whether that's a week later or five years later, if they ever find that in the trash, they are not happy. Uh, they, they look at you as if you've committed this deep act of betrayal. You know, How could you throw away my cotton ball snowman I made when I was four? That's important. That matters. You see, they, they loved their little, and they still do, their little creations. And, and God, the truth is, God is the same way. This is God's creation, and He refuses to throw it in the trash. He refuses to give up on it. There's a verse from Jeremiah. It's from chapter 29. It's a familiar verse. We often hear it at weddings, but I, I really think it, Fits and should be used on Easter. But the verse goes like this, and and, and the context is God is speaking to His people, the Jewish people, in exile. So this is a time of suffering for them. And this is what God says to them. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, Plans to give you hope and a future. God says, I have a future for you and a future for my creation. And that future that God speaks about, that's what we celebrate today. And we celebrate it because of the resurrection of Jesus. We believe that with the resurrection, this this historical event, this event that happened 2,000 years ago, we believe that with this event, something has happened that has changed everything. That in the resurrection of Jesus, we get to glimpse God's future for us, and it is a very good future. A number of years ago, I came upon an illustration that has helped me a lot as I think about the resurrection and what it what it means uh, for us. Uh, but but here's the illustration. Uh, imagine that I put a, a big pile of dynamite up by the altar, so you can see that it's all the dynamite is all piled up, and then I take a fuse, a long fuse, and I I lay it all the way down the center aisle, and we're all still in the church. I go back to the the back of the church. I kneel down, and I light the fuse. So we're, we're watching that fuse burn. Now, as we watch that fuse burn, waiting for the explosion that's about to come, as we wait We wouldn't wouldn't say that the lighting of the fuse is a past event. No, instead, the lighting of the fuse is a kind of present event, and it already contains its future. We know what's going to happen. The dynamite is going to explode. And that's what the resurrection is like. The resurrection of Jesus is like the lighting of that fuse. And our joy on this day, it doesn't come from the lighting of the fuse itself, but rather our joy comes from what it means about what is going to happen. Easter is the proclamation that God has done something and that something has already decided our future. That's the promise. In Jesus' resurrection, in in this one historical event, what do we see? Well, we see that death does not win. Suffering and evil, human cruelty, injustice, hatred, all those things that we see on the cross, God says no. He says no to them. He says, that is not what my creation is about. And because of this and doing this, we see and we glimpse what God has in store for us. We glimpse our future and the future for creation. If you're you're here, grab your bulletin, and Turn to the first page. I want to show you this picture. If you're at home, this picture should be popping up on your screen. Um, this is a fresco that was painted uh, in the 14th century in Constantinople, so modern-day Istanbul. And actually, this picture has been on your Easter bulletins for the last couple of years. And I saw it this week, and I thought, that's, that's what I'm trying to preach. So I thought I would just show it to us and and point out a few symbols that we see, point out what the artist is trying to teach us uh, in this this fresco. Because with religious art, it's important to remember this isn't supposed to be a photo recording of what happened, rather it's a symbolic tool that's meant to teach us about the resurrection. Uh, It comes from the Eastern Church It's interesting in the Western Church, we don't get a lot of pictures of the resurrection. We get a lot of art about the the cross, but not much about the resurrection. So it's from the Eastern Church. So a few symbols here to guide our thinking about the promise of the resurrection and about our future. So first thing, when you see the the picture, you'll see that Jesus is surrounded by lots of people. He's not alone. and Where is he located? Well, in the the picture, he is located in hell. That's where he's supposed to be. The resurrected Christ is in hell, the symbol for human brokenness, human suffering, and death. So that's where we find him. And in fact, if you look right underneath his feet, there's two little orange rectangles. Uh, Those are the gates of hell and he's standing on them. He has has shattered the gates. And you can see his arms are outstretched, and he's pulling two people out of hell. That's supposed to be Adam and Eve, symbolizing humanity. He's pulling them out of their condition, out of their tragedy. Now, if you look underneath Jesus, there, is, there are all these chains and bolts and locks flying everywhere. Right? These are the things that, that bind us. He has shattered them. And in fact, if you look really closely right under Jesus, this is, a, this is harder to see. There's a little figure that is bound up. Looks like a, kind of a brown, gray oval. Uh, that's a person tied up. It's the devil, the power of evil is bound." So this, this, this fresco, it's meant to symbolize the resurrection. It's meant to teach us that Christ has overcome the darkness and despair of this world. And He, in His victory, is pulling us out, right? We share in His victory. You know, Robert Nozick, who I mentioned at the beginning, I I read from. Uh, He is a thoughtful and honest thinker, he is. But he is wrong. He is wrong about the meaning of the world or the lack of meaning. He is wrong that this world will end in tragedy, that it's just gonna be discarded. God has done something. God has raised Jesus from the dead. He has conquered death, and He has refused. God has refused to let injustice and suffering have the last word. And what that means is that we don't have to look at the world like Nozick looks at it. We don't have to live in that type of world with no meaning and no hope. Jesus and what God has done in the resurrection, that is now the promise and the hope. It's the blueprint, the pledge, the guarantee of what God is doing in this world. And so today, we celebrate this. On Easter, we celebrate God's future for us, that we apparently so lost wandering and seeking far away are already encompassed by infinite blessedness, the blessedness of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.